and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we have a listener-requested episode. This is a patron-requested episode, if I am not mistaken. Is that correct, John? That is correct, Mr. Stephen Wilhelm. Ah! That was, <laughs> that was my Adam Helm. I don't know if that worked, but what's your John Helm? No. No, come on. Everybody that's so that's a that's a thing. If anybody doesn't know, the Wilhelm is a very famous scream ah! used in, you know, the film sound bites and it's a sound effect basically. And the guy uh I can't remember the story if the story was the guy who recorded it or the actor or the character or something. The that was the Wilhelm. But now you'll get in a lot of different like sound effects libraries you know you mm-hmm. you might have the wilhelm but you'll have other people do their own helm if you will and so like if i recorded ah on my own it would be called the adam helm and i would send it out and people could use that uh, so oh. john you want to you sure you don't want to give us one good john helm yeah i'm positive <laughs> i uh, my understanding was is that it's basically if you can use it in your movie you do and it's kind of used as like a good luck charm yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, a part, it's a part of this, like, mythos of Hollywood. Right. You know, like, there is, it's just a thing that, like, editors and sound designers, I feel like, have to use, or, like, just, it, it's just, it's gone bigger than, than Hollywood itself, or at least, yeah. it's, it's just part of the, I don't know, the fun. If there's any kind of action in a movie, there's going to be at least one Wilhelm scream. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's always for, like, people who die and, you know, fall off a horse or, you know, something bad happens to them, yeah. you get the Wilhelm. Uh, well, we talked to Mr. Wilhelm, and he wanted to do Tommy Boy, 1995's Tommy Boy, Chris Farley, fantastic film. Uh, this was definitely on our list to get to eventually, and I'm kind of glad we we're going ahead and getting to it. Uh, we had some movies recently that I didn't think were absolutely fantastic, uh, or at least maybe the last one. But you know what? You have to listen to that episode to, to find out what I really thought about it. <laughs> and besides Tommy Boy, he wanted to do Home Improvement. So we are going to break down Tommy Boy. We are going to review the TV show Home Improvement and then do a casting of Home Improvement. That was also his request. Am I correct on that, John? Yes, that is correct. So cool. I mean, Home Improvement, I don't think we even put it on our list. We might have, but it was, I mean, it is a very nostalgic show for us anyway. Yeah. Like, I definitely watched the hell out of that show. Yeah. As, as soon as he put it down, I was like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. I, I had no idea why it wasn't one that was kind of more on the forefront, because that was a huge sitcom in the 90s. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm excited to be doing all of these. These are all good, comedic uh, movie and TV show, and it would be an interesting casting to kind of see, you know, how we uh, recast Home Improvement and see how it works today. Hey, Adam. Hey, John. Uh, If our listeners want to submit their ideas, where can they go? They can go to patreon.com backslash whatever. Uh, Just search for Blast Pass Cast, and you will find us. If you join our patrons at the $5 a month level, you too can decide an episode that we will do, and it'll dedicate it to you just like Stephen Wilhelm. We love you, Stephen Wilhelm. You are our favorite person in the world right now, so we appreciate it. So if you want to be as cool as Stephen Wilhelm, yeah. you know, join our patrons and uh, yeah, and we will do an episode fully to whatever you like. So I hope he is enjoying this one and I'll see if I can cut in the Wilhelm scream as many times as possible during this episode. <laughs> All right. Tommy Boy, 1995. That's a cool year. I'm pretty sure it's a cool year. 
Actually, I know it's a cool year because we already talked about it. Uh, but now there's some other stuff that I'm sure we don't remember that you're going to fill us in, Mr. John. Yeah, so the movie Tommy Boy came out on March 31st of 1995. The Billboard Top 100 song of that year was Take a Bow by Madonna. Take a It's funny because I, looking at the list, there's a lot of songs from 1995 on that list that I recognized, uh, just not from the month. From the month that this, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of remember the song "Take a Bow." I don't, I couldn't sing it to you off the bat. I just remembered that it was a song that was a hit, and that's all I remember. I was not big into pop in 1995. I was still riding yeah. the grunge train. Okay, I have never heard that song that I know of, but it's definitely very that that slower, more dramatic Madonna times. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's an okay song. It's not one I'll be going back and checking out anytime soon. No, uh, the same month actually of that year in Phoenix, Arizona, the Howard Stern radio show premiered on KEDJ one hundred six point three FM. And he's been pissing off people ever since. <laughs> Did you listen to him a lot at all? I didn't really listen to his radio show. I will say I absolutely loved the movie Private Parts, though. I thought that was fucking hilarious and really well done. And he was, pre- for not being an actor, he was pretty good in it. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was you know, just playing himself and t- telling his own story. Right. But it w- he was funny. It was funny. I went through a period in about the mid-2000s when I was uh, working as a, a cook in various places where I was actually listening to him quite a bit. Mm, okay. But uh, <laughs> I've heard uh, kitchens and, and places, you know, for the cooks, it's one of the more dirtier places to work. Not like gross, but like the people. It's just dirty people <laughs> and just dirty jokes and that kind of shit. Is that about right, John? Yeah, but you can find that almost anywhere. Yeah, fair enough. I spent, actually, I worked at a small bar where I was literally the only person in the kitchen, so. Okay. <laughs> it was as dirty as I made it. There you go. Hey, oh, it's pretty fucking dirty, John. You're a dirty old man. Uh, later in that year, we had what was dubbed the Battle of the Britpop, uh, featuring a band that we've actually talked about before, uh, Oasis, and uh, they had a rivalry going on with the band Blur, and both of them re- released singles on the same day. And that, uh. that was <laughs> it wasn't so big here. We didn't really give a shit as much, but in in Britain, mm-hmm. it was conce- it was seen as a huge deal. Yeah, I mean, in in the states, Oasis obviously won that war. Blur is only known for song two. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but Oasis has you know a couple albums, and and they're they're a little bit more well known. So yeah. okay, all right. And in 1995, Windows 95 was the second most installed piece of software on computers. Do you know what the first one was? Hmm, like Norton Antivirus? No, no, probably not. AOL? AOL Instant Messenger? Nope. Huh. Doom. Doom! Whoa! Okay, we definitely had Doom. Yep. That's awesome. So uh, we had Doom, like, later. <laughs> but, I mean, we did, yeah. Wolf. We had Wolfenstein when we were younger, That's though. true, we did have Wolfenstein. So, all right, and that was a few things that happened in 1995. All right, that sounds good. Now we are going to get our plump on. I think two plumpy boys like you and me are the perfect people to talk about Tommy Boy, uh, which is chock full of plump in Chris Farley. Plump. <laughs> <laughs> I don't just like that word. Okay. 
All right, Tommy Boy, 1995. This movie was directed by Peter Siegel. Uh, he has done multiple different comedies uh, that you would probably know. Fifty First Dates, The Longest Yard, Get Smart, the more recent Get Smart, uh, Naked Gun, 33 and a Third. So he's, uh, you know, pretty decent comedy director. Yep. This movie was written by Bonnie and Tyler Turner. They are a married couple who are writers also for, they did wrote for SNL. They wrote uh, multiple SNL films, including Coneheads, Wayne World, Wayne's World, Wayne's World 2. And they were also the creators of that 70s show. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So, yeah, pretty, pretty damn good writers right there. Uh, this film was also produced by Lauren Michaels, who is the creator of SNL. Yep. Um, if I, I think he had something in his contract that if any one of his SNL people had a movie, he was going to get credited as a producer on it. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, this film stars Chris Farley as the namesake Tommy Boy. You know him from SNL. And I, I don't want to talk too much about him. I love Chris Farley. Everybody loves Chris Farley if you grew up around us mm-hmm. um, and you watch those. I, I'm trying to hold out, and, and maybe I'll push for it eventually. I want to push for like a, a top 10 SNL cast members okay. of all time. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I definitely will plan to talk more about them later. That's just, just throwing that out there, John. I want to plant a seed of a top 10 for my favorite SNL cast members. I mean, we probably would have similar lists, but absolutely fucking adore chris farley okay god damn it i can i can watch chippendales that over and over that, and over uh, again the skit with patrick swayze yeah it, that is just probably the greatest snl skit of all time for me maybe maybe or we do a top 10 snl skits oh god damn it <laughs> so, so many good top 10 ideas that we could do that's true uh this film also stars david spade as richard also from snl um and this really kind of set out Chris Farley and David Spade as like a comedy duo. This was really the start of that. You know, they also had Black Sheep. Um, they just kind of seemed to always be in each other's skits on, in SNL and also in each other's movies. Mm-hmm. And that was just like a part of their thing. They were just really good friends. I'm not really a huge fan of David Spade, I'll be honest with you. Really? I, I like him. I have no no problems with David Spade. I think, I think the character that he plays in this and in Black Sheep is balanced out well with Chris Farley. Mm-hmm. I didn't really particularly care for black sheep i didn't think it was as good of a movie i think this is about the best thing david spade's ever done in my opinion uh, i i love me some joe dirt i'm not gonna fucking lie <laughs> i think joe dirt is is fucking gold okay and i'll, I'll take that one to my grave <laughs> <laughs> okay you know I'm, i will fight you fight anybody over how fun and enjoyable joe dirt is so <laughs> anyway uh but this is probably my favorite of the movies that he's been in, if I would have had to guess. Or if, you know, somebody was, was going to ask me that. So anyway, we also have Brian Dennehy as Big Tom Callahan. And uh, Brian Dennehy, I recognize him actually probably most from Cocoon. Yeah. Um, he was also in uh, First Blood. Yeah. He was, he was quite good in that. Uh, but he's a talented actor, you know, a real, like, legit actor. I don't know, a little bit more than... <laughs> Chris and David Spade, but uh, but yeah, he's he's solid, and he actually I think works really really well. Great casting for him as yeah. Chris Farley's dad. Bo Derek plays Beverly, and you probably best know Bo Derek from Ten. Uh, that's probably what she's most well known for. I feel um, she was also Tarzan the Eight Man in in Tarzan the Eight Man. She was Jane. She was kind of like a, a late seventies, early eighties it girl. Like she was just like mm-hmm. one of those kind of you know big name. Wasn't she a model? You know, bombshells. Yeah, she was a model. I mean, she was a bombshell kind of person. Like, yeah. 
You know, I don't think, yeah, she she's probably best known for, I think, for, like, magazine modeling and stuff like that. But, like, for me, 10, when I think of Bo Derek, the first thing I think of is the movie 10. Okay. Uh, and then this film also starred Rob Lowe as Paul Barish, who is uh, Bo Derek's quote-unquote son. And we'll get, <laughs> we'll get into that later, huh? Um, Rob Lowe, you know best now from Parks and Rec, I feel, is probably the best thing that he's known for. But, I mean, he was a, you know, big-time 80s actor and... Yeah. Uh, and tons of shit. Yep. So this is this is kind of like on a lull in his career, I think. You know, kind of he kind of I think he got caught with drugs or whatnot before this, and he was kind of like down a low, and he was kind of playing a bad boy here, and then and then he kind of was resurrected later. Yeah. Uh, in his he career. must he must have had something in with Lauren Michaels because he also appeared in uh, Wayne's World. You're right. You know what? He must have. Yeah. He must. It, good call. I forgot about that. But yeah, this was this was some good, some decent stuff. Yeah. Um, with yeah, Wayne's World. Um, funny thing, Rob Lowe is not credited in this movie. That is weird. I wonder why that is. Yeah, he's not credited in the opening credit. I checked IMDb, which was funny enough that he wasn't in there. And so then I actually watched the end credits and the opening title card credits at the beginning. And Rob Lowe is nowhere to be seen. And I was just like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? That's I just thought that was kind of strange. Because he, I mean, he's a big enough part, yeah. honestly. All right. Let's get into the movie. And we start off with a young chubby boy plump boy if you will uh and he's in a tree house and he's trying to catch the bus and there's just there's comedy immediately and then there's a lot of stuff that kind of keeps reoccurring uh like this gag of him he runs into a glass door uh and we see that multiple times you know that tommy that tommy does um and and you just immediately get that this kid is not the brightest bulb in the bunch that's for damn sure <laughs> yeah and he even like even the kid you know he has a cat he says the catchphrase holy shnikes which you hear that a hundred times holy shnikes i don't know how many fucking times i heard or even said shnikes after this movie was out <laughs> yeah you <laughs> you and everyone else really exactly it, it really there's so many lines in this film that we'll be talking about and i'm just gonna be like oh my god and there was this one funny line and then this other funny line or just uh, this other funny scene or something like that and tommy boy like i feel is one of those movies that like kids just love to like recreate mm-hmm. so the young tommy doesn't make the bus and he kind of gets in a cloud of exhaust from the bus and then Something I really like as a as an editor, I really appreciated the edit that was, you know, from the uh, exhaust that was covering young Tommy. And then now it starts to dissipate and we get old Tommy and he's at college and he misses a bus there. And he's obviously in like the same kind of situation. So it kind of shows that, okay, he's just still a fucking goof. Yeah. You know, he's been this kind of goof his entire life. And then he tries to go. He has to run to catch his uh, final that he's trying to get to. And to me, this little sequence here reminded me of Ferris Bueller a little bit. Oh, yeah. They're, even the music, I thought, was kind of a little Ferris Bueller-esque. Not not fully. He has to run through, like, these bushes, but he runs into a fucking fence. Oh. Funny. Because for <laughs> Ferris Bueller, who's, like, super cool and, you know, he would never hit a fence, right. Tommy Boy runs smack into the fence. Um, he also, you know, in very Ferris Bueller-esque, he walks by these uh, very attractive ladies, and that's where he, like, kind of slows down. It's like, oh, hey, ladies. Uh, you know, just like Ferris Bueller would. <laughs> right. He actually gets to the building, and it's just another, like, just funny little thing, uh, really about Chris Farley's physical humor and the way Chris Farley goes from zero, and I don't even want to say zero to 60. I want to say zero to like 600. Right. The way that Chris Farley just amps up his like anger and his red face and just like 
his scream. Yeah. It is like that is part of his humor. Yeah. And you get that right away when he's trying to open up this fucking door and he's just like screaming and then. Some other student opens the door right beside it, and it was unlocked. And right. he's just like, "Oh shit, I'm an idiot." It's funny, you know. <laughs> uh, that that's that is good humor. It really is. That's that's how you write humor, people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's but it's only heightened by Chris Farley's performance. Yeah, he's kind of like a a nicer version of Sam Kennison in that way. I mean, he has that look. He definitely has a Sam Kinison look, or and and definitely like the zero to six hundred kind energy, of thing. Yeah, but instead of instead yes. of the sort of negative energy that Sam Kinison would put out yeah. when he was screaming, you get the sort of silly, goofy energy from Chris Farley. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely correct. Uh, so Chris Farley gets to the test, and we get this first question, which I fucking <laughs> love. This question, and I like that it comes back. So John, this first question in in his history two hundred one exam. Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, and Blank Hancock were all framers of the Constitution. First of all, this is this is a middle school fucking question. Exactly. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, holy shit, I know your son could answer this fucking question. <laughs> Probably. Well, like, this is yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, and Tommy, instead of the correct answer of John Hancock that we all know, uh, he writes Herbie Hancock. Honestly, which is, I was uh, impressed that he would have known who Herbie Hancock was. Yeah, Herbie Hancock's a lot less known than John Hancock, but it's it's funny. Um, I mean, I bet there's just tons of people who, if they watch this movie nowadays, don't know who the fuck Herbie Hancock is. Right. Because he's really, he's really only known for Rocket. Which was a huge hit well, in the '80s. I mean, but he's, he's a huge jazz guy. Yeah, I know, no, he's huge in jazz. Yeah, but in pop culture, nobody knows nowadays who Herbie Hancock is. Right. Except, well, you're but, right. Yeah. And and Rocket, super catchy song. <laughs> uh, I heard he he absolutely fucking hates it and like refuses to play it. Oh, I w- maybe maybe I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I'm, doubt it. Yeah, and it might you know I might have him mixed up with um Don't Worry Be Happy guy because uh, I can't remember. Oh, Bobby McFerrin. Yeah, yeah, but I, one of them, and it's either Herbie Hancock well, or Bobby. Bobby McFerrin won't play. Don't worry, be happy now. He won't. Okay, then th- then that's what it is. I just had it mixed up in my head. But I I I've I don't know if Herbie Hancock plays Rocket anymore. I doubt he does. Yeah, well, because I mean, he has a very prolific jazz career. Yes, he does. And Rocket is is not really probably his style anymore. Right. Yeah. Uh. So. Tommy ends up getting a D plus and he's so stupid excited about it. It's just his energy is funny. By the you way, know, he kinda if you look on the mm-hmm. on the list of, of you know, mm-hmm. when they're doing the grades, uh, when he's looking at the grades, if you look towards the bottom, one of the names was Helen Keller. Oh really? <laughs> and she got an F. She got an F. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I thought I thought she would have gotten like uh, a C minus or something like just above Chris right. above Tommy. That would have been funny too. But F is F makes sense too. Uh, it's, that's a nice little hidden joke that I definitely didn't notice. Yeah, that's good. Tommy heads over with the parties with some friends who we really only see once again, and I don't really care about these college friends that he's got. But we see that he's you know a party animal. He's you know if he wasn't a goof enough, he is also a he drinks a lot, he smokes a lot. Uh, and he ends up face planting into a coffee table. Um, funny, kind of classic. Pretty much Chris every Farley. frat boy I knew at UGA. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, there was uh, there's uh, some similarities. I've seen people like that. I wasn't a frat boy, but I didn't smoke, but I definitely drank enough to kind of do that kind of shit too. So I had my times where I was a bit uh, too over the top with that. It's college. It happens. Yeah, it happens. And now I'm doing just fine. <laughs> I'm doing fine, John. <sighs> All right. Anyway, let's move on from my depressing life. Um, we cut to Tommy, and he's getting off a plane. Uh, we meet Richard, who we kind of saw when in the young Tommy scene. Um, but uh, immediately, they have a good dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, Richard and David Spade, you know, his comedy, and the way at least how he's playing this character, he's very, he's quick, he's very nerdy, mm-hmm. he's honestly, he's annoying, he's not someone who's very good with people. Yeah. Tommy is loud, overly physical, and the idiot type. And they're kind of like just almost complete opposites, but that's kind of why they work so well together. Yeah. As they drive back, Tommy is noticing uh, just so many businesses are falling apart. You know, I, I think that's just a, it's setting up the scene that, you know, this town in Ohio and just, you know, where America and the auto industry is, is just kind of really on the decline. Um, and so Callahan is like the Callahan Auto is the last thing uh, that's keeping this particular town where they're at afloat. Um, one other kind of quick little funny scene. Tommy is eating M&M's in Richard's car and he puts them at the top and I don't know I don't know what it is but like that just some of those little things and like these M&Ms that once he makes a turn that start rolling into his engine right uh, it's just something that just little stuff that is it's just funny as shit you know and and we set up that very early that Richard is very proud of his car he loves he's got like some kind of classic car I don't even know what the fuck it is but he's happy about it Uh, and so it's already kind of all right the second Tommy gets into that car Tommy starts degrading the value of that car for sure (laughs) And we that that'll be a joke that we kind of keep coming back to. Yep. Tommy gets to his dad, and you know they have a good little reunion. Like they they work well together. I, I think Brian Denny, as I mentioned before, just I don't know. They, they he has a good father son dynamic with Chris Farley in this film. So yeah, they do a little scene where they're walking through the factory. We get some more physical humor from Chris Farley. Uh, he runs into like a low pallet. He loses a this little auto part thing on this buffer that goes flying through a window uh, and then him dodging cranes uh, in while in this new brake pad division right which i feel like i know i know i definitely did that kind of if i ever got to something that had like slow moving thing towards me you know you think you try to be a ninja and dodge between them and just have stupid shit i mean tommy is yeah a middle schooler in a, an adult's body yep. and that's exactly the kind of person he is so yep. um so yeah so but there's the brake pad division which is going to be the new thing that will hopefully save this company and keep everything moving we get to uh tommy is given his own office by his dad we do get the herbie hancock joke that comes back because richard comes in and says oh i need your john hancock big tom and tommy tommy boy turns to us and says, john hancock it's herbie hancock Dude. The way he says it too is is what's funny about it. It's like it's Herbie yeah. Hancock. Yeah, like Chris Farley's delivery and just the way he says some certain lines, like you know later on, which we'll get to. But I also just the way he's like, "Oh, Richard," and <laughs> like when he's when you know they're kind of bonding and that kind of stuff, and he's in his undies. Yeah, it's fucking hilarious. And a lot of it, yeah, it's just it's just the way Chris Farley delivers stuff. Yep. Now we're gonna cut to. Paul, who we see very, very briefly, just this guy getting off of a bus and he uh, it's played by Rob Lowe. And we just kind of see immediately that he's a jerk, uh, but like in a funny way. At least he's yeah. like messing with a kid or he like kind of like punches a kid through a window, if you will. Not really, but like, you know, he fucks with a kid and mm-hmm. throws trash in like a baby's 
cart and shit like that. Um, by the but way, it's just kind of like, okay. By the way, I just looked it up. So Rob Lowe, the reason he was uncredited is because he was contractually obligated to uh, Stephen King's The Stand. And oh, so he just okay. he did the part uh, as a favor to Chris Farley. Okay, they, met, they must have been friends then. Yeah. That's cool. Maybe they met on Wayne's World or something like that. I would imagine or, something like that, yeah. Yeah, and they became friends. Or I, something. That's plus, cool. I'm sure Rob Lowe made a, a one appearance or two on Saturday Night Live when Chris Farley was there. Yeah. I could totally see that. Yeah, very likely. Absolutely. All right, at home, uh, we meet Beverly, and in an homage to the movie 10, she gets out of the pool, you know, kind of slow motion, and you even have a line, Tommy tells his dad, <laughs> Dad. She's like a 10. Boom. Yeah, it's, it's you know, <laughs> which is a nice little Easter egg for people who know Bo Derek or know, you know, um, her history. Beverly and Big Tom are getting married and her son, quote unquote, uh, is coming to town for the wedding. Doorbell rings. It's Rob Lowe as Paul, this jerk that we just saw from a previous scene. And we get a great line already, you know, another, it's just, there's going to be tons of these mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, Rob Lowe is like going to shake his hand and, and uh, Tommy says, brothers don't shake hands, brothers got a hug. Uh, and he picks him up and it's again, that delivery is so good. Yeah. I've used that line so many times. Exactly. There's going to be a lot of these lines where it's just like, oh man, I said that a lot yeah. or I heard that a lot from other people, yeah. shit like that. Tommy and Paul go out and they go do, uh, they want to go do something dangerous, or at least Paul wants to do something a little bit more dangerous. <laughs> and so uh, for Tommy, this means cow tipping. <laughs> and Tommy ends up, of course, slipping in the mud, uh, mud and shit. Uh, and it just, it causes madness. Uh, the owner of the farm comes out with a gun and they kind of like a mini stampede or whatnot. So then they head out and it's, it is, yeah, that's a quick, funny scene. Uh, do you, have you ever gone cow tipping, John? No. Have you? <laughs> I have. <laughs> Seriously? Uh, seriously, I will say I have gone cow tipping, but the issue was there were no cows. Uh, so here's my story. When I graduated college, I did a little trip around Europe with like a big kind of group of people. And this big group of people were all just college students or people who had just graduated. And so it was a party bus, really. It was really, honestly, a party tour for three weeks across Europe, just getting hammered. <laughs> and me and some other people who I will not name, but they know who they are if they listen. <laughs> uh, I don't think they listen, but we were in Austria and we were really drunk. So we were very, very drunk. And we remember seeing by our hotel that we saw some cows earlier up on this field. And so, you know, it was late at night after we were done drinking and partying in the in, in this small town uh, called Zellamze. And, you know, before we got to the hotel, like, Hey guys, you want to go cow tipping? And we're like, oh fuck yes! <laughs> and so it's like it was like four or five of us went up and tried to like sneak up on like these things that we were so drunk thought were cows, but it was like a fucking sign in the in the, in the, in the, in the thing. And of course, and we ended up just like one of us stepped in cow shit, and like we ended up like drunkenly picking up the shit and throwing it at each other, and <laughs> just wow. it was it was a it was a drunken time. But honestly, it was a blast. <laughs> Uh, and it was it was just one of the fun memories I had that I don't remember super clearly, but I know it was there and it was a good time. So that is my cow tipping story. <laughs> uh, but now, uh, so they're all dirty and we get another just kind of a classic scene right here where they are using a hose at a gas station, cleaning their shit off and their mud off of their uh, of themselves. And 
Rob Lowe is spraying Tommy, and Tommy starts doing like the song from Flashdance. I'm a maniac, maniac on the floor, and I'm dancing like I've never danced before. <laughs> and it, and he's just dancing, and while the water's going on, uh, there's a good line from Rob Lowe, a couple of good lines actually. Well, you know where he says, "I don't think all of that." is just mud, you know, <laughs> so inferring that they got a bunch of shit on them. And then also a line that kind of keeps coming back, which I think is also pretty funny, where Paul asks Tommy, Did you eat a lot of paint chips when you were a kid? Yeah. And Tommy just re- responds blankly, why? <laughs> and, and, he, and we get that we get that return multiple times, and that's good. Like, I, I, these kind of lines that kind of keep coming back is, you know, a very standard way to do comedy writing, but it works, Yeah, honestly. At the office, uh, we get another fucking just classic scene where Tommy is just fiddling around in his office, not doing shit, and a fan is going, <laughs> and he starts making noises into it, and he says the line, La la Luke, Luke, I am your father. Which... I think almost famously now we know that that's not the line and yeah. everybody fucked it up around this time. And this might be partly why people fucked it up because the success of Tommy Boy. That's possible. <laughs> yeah. But of course the line is, no, I am your father. Everybody who's around our age and older has done this. Has Yes, of has course. Stuck their head right to, to a fan and <laughs> talked into it to hear their Darth Vader voice. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so at the office, Tommy really isn't doing all that great and... He ends up running into an old high school friend of his, uh, Michelle, who happens to be very cute and is pretty much flirting with him right away. But uh, Michelle is played by Julie Warner, who Julie Warner, uh, we both know and probably know her best from Doc Hollywood. She plays Lou in that movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was adorable in Doc Hollywood. I mean, not just adorable. She was hot as shit in Doc Hollywood. Yeah, she was. And not even just hot as shit. She was also very quick-witted and a very good character that I liked a lot. And, yeah. and Doc Hollywood is one that I know we've talked about trying to get to at some point. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I feel it's a movie that a lot of people pass over, but they forget how freaking good Doc Hollywood is. Yeah. It's a so. fun movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think enough people give, uh, or they don't like, you know, remember it as fondly because maybe it gets overshadowed by Back to the Future in right. Michael J. Fox or even like Teen Wolf people think of right. before. But like Doc Hollywood is it's fucking choice, man. Yeah. It's a good movie. It is, which is also like one of the only PG movies uh, with nudity in it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so that is neither here nor there. I just <laughs> happen, happen to have a knowledge of n- PG nudity. How about that? <laughs> okay. That's just moving on. Yep. Uh, we, we cut to uh, the wedding. Big Tom is getting married to Beverly. Uh, and we see, you know, a quick, another, a quick little scene that he is a good salesman. You know, he does this T-bone steak line about sticking your head up a cow's ass. Of course, I could get a hell of a good look at a T-bone steak by sticking my head up a bull's ass, but I'd rather take the butcher's word for it. Um, which is a line that keeps that we kind of keep coming back to as a, a simple showing of, you know, okay, I'm a good salesman now because I can pitch this line. Right. Big Tom calls up Tommy onto the stage, and they do like a father-son duo song of the the hey ho this is what i say song i think i think it's what it's called <laughs> hey mama don't you treat me wrong come and love me baby all night long testify Tommy boy testify oh, 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 oh. all right now tell me what i say 
Big Tom ends up having a heart attack, and he dies right then and there. And we get another good transition here. Um, I'm going to call out just like a couple of strong edits mm-hmm. uh, right here they, where the, the director pretty much designed this, you can tell, because, you know, as Big Tom dies, everybody, you know, they have a shot that's a low angle looking up into the sky. Everybody is bends over to, to look at him. And then they pull back and everybody is now at the funeral. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very smooth transition shot, but it works really, really well. And so I just, I just want to call that out. That do stuff you, makes me happy. Do you know who the editor was? I did. I took a look, um, but it, you know they did a lot of other stuff. It wasn't like a name that I really felt the need to call out. Well, you've mentioned good editing twice. So. Yeah. Well, it's 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 good editing, but you can tell this isn't just the editor's decision. Okay. This was they shot for this. Okay. So this was de- this was by design. This was not an editor fixing something right. or like you know a particularly perfect edit. Both the exhaust fumes and this transition were very much by design, possibly by if I had to guess, very likely by either the cinematographer or the director or both or something like that you know so you don't think the writers could have written this in you can but unlikely um typically and it is it's bad form to write stage directions in your script it's honestly not something that you typically do because you know you're writing you're there writing the overall story and the words that are being said but you're not writing the look of the movie Mm. and directors hate it hate it when writers put in a bunch of story or or a bunch of like stage direction or camera directions or whatever because that's that's their vision the writers you know that that you you don't write honestly john you don't do that (laughs) y'all too sensitive yeah well yeah um directors are auteurs and they are artistic sensitive biatches that's definitely (laughs) part of their mo so uh so i mean i should have been a director shit yeah (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> you're a sensitive biatch? <laughs> sure, we can go with that. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, so that's that's the little two cents as to why I probably wouldn't credit just the editor. I mean, the editor put this together, but it was definitely by design from the start. Okay. You know, possibly even in, in the storyboards. So, okay. Anyway, Tommy and Michelle are out on a dinghy uh, and... <laughs> you said dinghy. I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, we get uh, some just some funny weight comedy. Um, you yeah. know, just like a, a wide shot of, you know, Tommy boy is sitting on the back of the of the thing and it's really low in the water. <laughs> right. And Michelle, who is petite, uh, is high up on it because, you know, it's just how it goes. And yeah. and I know we're in a world of body positivity right now. And everyone's like, oh, you can't make fun of fat people. And I'm like, you know what? I'm fat. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm being fat is funny. I'm the first person to make fun of myself for Exactly. Like it, it's it's okay to make fun of fat people, you know. I mean, don't don't make them cry. Don't, don't be you mal- know, don't be If it's not malicious. Yes, if it's not if it's this which is like, you know, just general comedy, it is okay and I think it's a funny ass subtle humor, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. So, stop being so goddamn sensitive people. <laughs> Fuck. So I had a, a student who um had a particular behavioral issue and uh his first couple times in my classroom uh he tried to throw me off by making fat jokes at me of which i would just take and flip around and it, mm-hmm. it got to the point where he realized anytime he threw a joke i was gonna turn it and win the class over on it so he just stopped making fun of me that's a smart way to do it yeah exactly you, you weren't you weren't just little super old sensitive boy you took it and you uh 
put it to your advantage. Yeah. Like Chris Farley, who took his weight, turned it to his advantage because that was part of his whole comedy act. Yeah, exactly. So John is the next Chris Farley. You have a good bit to live up to. <laughs> See what you can do with that. Uh, all right. We'll start with the Chippendales. Go from there. Yeah, there we go. All right, I am flying to your house. We're going to film that. If we know a Patrick Swayze type, let's make this happen. Uh, anyway, let's just get back to Tommy Boy. Yeah. Because uh, this is, this is uh, that would probably disturb me if I had to film that. Uh, this this movie makes me laugh. So <laughs> let's get back see, to See, now that. that you said that, I want to film it just to see yeah. you disturbed. <laughs> just to see, yeah. Well, similarly enough, we have some kids here who are making fun of Chris Farley and his weight. Oh, my God. I love this scene so much. This is a good scene, and they're just being little assholes. And you know, you get Chris Farley yelling and being super angry, and in his, you know, his anger is uh, is definitely funny in its own right. Then Michelle takes it up a fucking notch. Yeah. Listen up, you little spazoids! I know where you live, and I've seen where you sleep. I swear to everything holy that your mothers will cry when they see what I've done to you. She just she blasts them apart. Every teacher I've ever known has had at least one student she's wanted to yell this at. Exactly. I know where you live and I will fucking kill you in your sleep. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, sometimes I do think teachers probably should be okay to say that kind of stuff because, <laughs> you know, we kind of rely on them to teach our kids more than they should have to teach our kids. <laughs> Agreed. <sighs> yeah. Um, all right, we're at a board meeting now, and everybody is talking about the future of the company, and everyone's fucking worried because obviously Big Tom is dead. And honestly, this little old lady uh, in the boardroom, she <laughs> makes me fucking laugh every time. Like I like honestly, I almost like shit myself laughing because this lady just she can't <laughs> stop talking about whores. <laughs> If this factory goes under, the whole town goes under. And that's when the whores come in. Oh. Here we go. <laughs> Just whatever the conversation is, she <laughs> brings up whores. Uh, and apparently, like, I guess her husband went to a whorehouse sometime and she's not over it. <laughs> but, that's when the whores come out. Yes. And it's, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. I absolutely... Adore and yeah, that's it's just it comes out of nowhere though too. It's a, it's a surprise, obviously, because she's just a <laughs> nice little old lady uh, and she's just talking about whores and it's <laughs> it's good stuff. Tommy uh, ultimately is going to try and go on his dad's old sales trips to try and save the company, and he ends up roping Richard into it. Uh, and so now we're starting really what I think th- this movie is best known for, which is a buddy trip with Farley and Spade. You know, this this is we're into like the meat of the movie, which two friends going out on an adventure together. Yeah. Uh, the first couple sales trips uh, do not go well. Uh, you know, you just get a montage of a lot of people turning them down. And then eventually they end up getting a maybe. And so to try and convince him further, Tommy does this demonstration on the guy's office desk with these model cars that he has. And he ends up just... You know, it, it just shows more and more the absolute childishness of Tommy and that character. He just likes playing with the cars and ends up smashing them and lighting shit on fire and being ridiculous. And it is a hilarious scene. I can't stop! Ah! Ah! Help! There's a cliff! Ah! And your family screaming, Oh my God, we're burning alive! No, I can't feel my legs. In comes a meat wagon. And the medic gets out and says, oh my God. New guy's in the corner puking his guts out. All because 
you want to save a couple extra pennies. And <laughs> to me, it doesn't get out. The delivery by Chris Farley is fantastic. The, his physical humor of him smashing shit and just going over the top. Like, Chris Farley is like a one-upper yeah. kind of guy. He's not going to one-up you by telling you stories. He's going to one-up by, oh, you say a story of doing some shit, doing something crazy, and then he's going to do something crazier right in front of your face <laughs> just to show how ridiculous he is. And, like, this is that kind of scene, just a little bit, and, and I, I appreciate it. So this rewatching the film is absolutely kind of bringing back good memories of Chris Farley and how much you miss him and too many, too many people gone too soon Yeah, that, you know, we definitely didn't bring it up earlier, but you know, obviously he dealt with a lot of one, a lot of weight issues, dealt with a lot of drug issues, which ultimately ended up killing him uh, with a, with a heart attack from, you know, an, an overdose, I think is pretty, I'm pretty sure how he went. Yeah. I have read a biography about him and it was absolutely fantastic. Hmm. Um, I highly, highly recommend it. Have you seen um, Adam Sandler's new comedy special? I did. I did. He had that, he has that song yeah. uh, all about Chris Farley, which is, which is cute. You know, I, you can absolutely appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, the the book that I was mentioning was called uh, the Chris Farley Show. Okay, and really easy read, really funny. Um, just kind of get and get to, get to know more about Chris Farley himself, who obviously looked up to Jim Belushi, which yeah. there's a lot of similarities between the two. You know, larger guy, physical humor, also who took things from zero to six hundred. Right. You know. And, and then they ended up having a very similar fate, which is unfortunate for, for both of them and unfortunate for all the comedy and other stuff that we could have seen yeah. from them. I didn't, I haven't read the book, but I do remember seeing the uh, true Hollywood story on Chris mm, Farley, which they okay. made after he, after he had passed. Yeah. Hearing a lot about him idol- idealizing uh, John Belushi pretty much like he was figured he was going to go out the same way John Belushi did, and which he did. <laughs> yeah. Which is which is kind of yeah exactly that's a whole part of it as well. It's disturbing is that he he knew he was on that path and he couldn't stop himself mm-hmm. from continuing down it as well. Yeah, we cut to a quick gas station uh, scene where Tommy ends up kind of fucking up Richard's car, his his side door, and this is this is another little uh, start here during this trip where Richard's car that he loves so much is going to keep getting fucked up. Just little by little, mm-hmm. uh, this this car is really going to become a piece of shit. <laughs> Tommy fucks up the door, but ends up kind of like shoving it back together to where when Richard opens it and it falls off, we get a funny, what'd you do? <laughs> we, as the audience, know exactly what happened. Right. Uh, and it's it, it's just, it, it works quite well. We cut to a company carnival. And here we find out that Paul and Beverly are not mother and son. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. They are getting a little too frisky for that. Uh, they are obviously a couple. And we find out they were running a scam on Big Tom trying to get his money. Uh, the original plan was to like marry him and then... You know, milk him dry of his money uh, and then divorce him and that kind of shit. A, a funny little scene, which I didn't really need and I kind of completely forgot about, was when Paul is like peeing on this fence, this Callahan fence. Right. And then he kind of turns and it, he turns and he pees on this like, you know, electric fuse or whatever. And it ends up shocking him. Right. It was, uh, you know, a bit unbelievable, but it, it was, you know, a good slapsticky humor. But I just I kind of forgot about it. Yeah. We cut to Richard and Tommy are driving and they end up hitting a deer from being distracted looking at a map. One thing that I immediately noticed was after they hit the deer, you know, they're looking at it, trying to figure out what to do. And you can see a good bit of the front of their car. The front of their car is not really damaged 
hardly at all right. in that shot that I noticed, <laughs> which I believe you, you've hit a deer before, haven't you, John? I did. Well, I, yeah, I, I hit a fawn. You hit a fawn. Okay. Uh, but it's, it's still fucked up the front of my car. Yeah. And this was a full buck yeah. <laughs> that they hit at like full speed. And yeah, deer, deer are strong little fuckers, obviously, and not even little, but they're, they will destroy a car yeah. uh, pretty good if you hit it. But uh, they didn't want to just leave it and they didn't want to just pull it over to the side of the road strangely enough yeah. because that would have been much better uh instead they put it in the car and keep going i wonder if that'll come back john <laughs> I, I i hope so or else they just got a rotting carcass in the back of their car for the whole movie. yeah <laughs> yeah well we uh we've got a little quick scene of uh tommy ends up you know they're trying to make another sale he ends up fucking up that t-bone steak line mm-hmm. uh kind of shows that he's still he's still not there and he kind of has a little bit of a breakdown at this point you know he's just kind of like fuck i'm not getting it i'm not going to become a salesman uh and so we cut to them driving at night and the deer wakes up and the deer just goes fucking haywire <laughs> on the car which is this is a funny scene this is another scene that you know i think everybody remembers yeah from the movie, it works really well. It's we also get a very funny line uh, while they're while they run away from the car and watch it getting destroyed. T- uh, Tommy says, "I swear, I've seen a lot in my life, but that was awesome." <laughs> But sorry about your car, man. <laughs> He's laughing his ass off watching this. So, John, if uh, if you had to take a guess uh, as to who might have been credited as animal vocal effects in this film. Oh, snap. Yeah. Was it, oh, was, yeah. Was it, was it Big Frankie? It was Big Frankie Welker. Yeah. He was credited for animal vocal effects and... It had to be this scene, you know, where the right. the deer is like wakes up and like kind of does a scream uh, and like it has to and it's thrashing around because this is the only scene that makes sense for that. But he's not even credited on IMDb. I just happened to be watching the credits and I saw Frank Welker's name. I was like, whoa, whoa what the fuck? <laughs> um, and so big fucking Frankie Welker has made his way into Tommy Boy. Yeah, that made me very happy. You can't escape him. You can't. He is everywhere, people. And we love it every time we see him. Yes, we do. We absolutely do. So that made me very happy happy to see his name we cut to a hotel and we see a little commercial for Zelinsky's auto parts and we see it's dan Aykroyd is playing this uh auto parts king at this point richard's kind of almost he's had enough to try and make him smile we get probably the most quoted line from the movie if i had to guess or at least definitely maybe one of the most i don't know recreated scenes that guy in a little coat that guy in little gold. I mean, I have certainly done this in my life multiple times. <laughs> yeah. I don't know a single, like, large guy who hasn't put on a small coat and started singing Fat Guy in a Little Coat. And it's, it's, it's fucking great. God damn. It's funny. And he ends up ripping the coat, of course. So we cut to them battling over the radio while driving the next day. We get a, a good funny scene to me where... You know, they get to two kind of like rock songs and they're kind of like pushing back and forth uh, to, to what it is. And then they get to this other song, this ballad that's uh, uh, Superstar by the Carpenters. We cut to, you know, them from being very angry at each other to then uh, straight cut to them singing their heart outs, bawling while they are singing this song. Don't you remember you told me you love me, baby? You said you'd be coming 
the hood then flies up in the middle of this. You know, they almost die. Tommy's driving around. You know, he didn't just smartly slow down and pull over. He kept staying at a consistent speed uh, while the hood was blocking his view and they almost die. So right th- right here, Tommy and, and Richard, Richard's had about fucking enough. And so they end up fighting and Richard ends up like beating the crap out of one because Tommy is like allowing him to hit him. He's like, oh, you little pussy. Yeah. Uh, basically, you just keep hitting me. You kind of would think that Tommy, who is a large dude and he was actually wearing like some rugby shirts earlier. So I assume he played some rugby. So he might be semi tough. But Richard ends up grabbing a two by four and smacking it over Tommy's uh, face. Do you know? Uh, do you know why he was wearing a rugby jacket? Uh, I mean, it was a Marquette rugby jacket, so he went to Marquette. Do you mean earlier? Or you mean or at this at this point? No, just why Chris Farley is wearing a rugby jacket. Oh, I'm I'm fairly certain that he played rugby. He, did he, he not? was on Marquette's rugby team. He was okay. Cool. So that's yeah. That's probably why they did that. That's I didn't know he did it at at Marquette, but it seems like he was a he was definitely a prop. <laughs> if there was no way Chris Farley was anything but a prop, um, I played just a little bit of rugby. Uh, at UGA, I was not any good, um, but I was a prop. I wasn't as big as Chris Farley, but props are like usually the the largest dudes on the team. I don't even know what that means. Okay, well, I could go into it, but typically it's your largest, strongest guys are your props. They're kind of they do the most pushing in the scrum where you have the two kind of like groups shoving each other. It's called a scrum. Okay, uh, the people the people at the very front are two props and a hooker. And the props are typically the I, biggest. I think dude. I saw a movie once that started like that. Yeah. <laughs> Two props and a hooker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I was a prop. So I was a loose head prop, which uh, meant I was on the left side. At least you weren't the hooker. Yeah. Hey, well. <laughs> I mean, hookers are important. They're the ones you have to catch the balls uh, if you're the hooker. You have to you have to get it with your feet. So that's that's it. That's the weirdest hooker I've ever heard of. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and then we cut to a diner, and we get another, just another good fucking line here, uh, where Tommy's like, he says, my face hurts. And he's like, do I have a mark on my face? Right here. Not here or here so much, but right here. <laughs> it's just, and you get this huge makeup line of uh, just the, the two by four leaving a massive bruise across his face. Yep. It's funny. Um, but what's important about this diner scene is Tommy really wants some fucking wings. And the diner is closed. But he pretty much ends up talking the waitress into starting up the fryer again to get him some wings. And Richard recognizes this as like, oh, shit. Okay, he might be able to be a salesman. You know, he might have a little bit of that big Tom in him. Mm-hmm. Because Richard, for being a very stats-based you know, numbers guy, he sucks at people. Right. That's obvious. Yeah. But Tommy is like a lovable, shitty at knowing uh, the stats and shitty at knowing things all that much, but he's damn good at people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is kind of him starting to like finally get there. At the next uh, scene, we have another, we're doing another pitch. And this one guy is so weirdly obsessed with having a guarantee on the box. <laughs> he just, <laughs> he's okay with, you know, he, he, uh, it's not just that he has to have a guarantee. He has to have the fucking guarantee on the box. <laughs> it's super important for him. Callahan has guaranteed every part sold since 1925. Maybe so, but it's not on the box. It should always be on the box, comforting you, calling out. I'm good. I'll never let you down. But if I do, I'm going to make things all better. Tommy hits his stride right now. And, you know, he kind of does this whole kind of strange pitch, uh, but it ends up working. And he sells the uh, the brake pads to this dude. Mm-hmm. 
Yay, we're starting to climb up. Paul is not happy about that, and so he goes to try and destroy these trucks so they can't make the deliveries mm-hmm. for the brake pads. And we just a quick little scene where he is going to try and you know ruin these trucks, and he brings a gun to do it, <laughs> and he ends up getting attacked by this dog, which I, I was like, okay, or you can just like steal the keys, right. or you can just go up and slash the tires with a knife, but instead he wants to use a gun, which would be very loud. Right. Um, <laughs> And and try to shoot it to blow it up, but whatever. That was weird. Or you do like a Molotov cocktail or something right. where he could just like drop it off near it or set it on fire yeah. and then just go away. But he, he wants to shoot it. I don't know. He's uh, he's not the brightest, which we also see that he's not the brightest from peeing on a fucking right. <laughs> electrical uh, fuse. So, By the way, uh, shooting a car does not make it explode. Correct. You can shoot the gas tank and it's just going to leak yep. gas. Yep. It's not... <laughs> You know, if you light that gas on fire, sure, but just shooting it is not going to explode right. like every action movie ever has taught you. Right. Uh, all right. Our next scene is one that honestly I appreciate now. And I've got and I got a lot more of these jokes as an adult and particularly just this last viewing mm-hmm. where I just didn't really get them. But I'll set it up where Richard sees this sexy lady at the pool and he's kind of he's he's peeping on her he's being a peeping tom but mm-hmm. i will say granted this lady should not be skinny dipping in a pool at a hotel that has tons of windows around it and the pool is brightly lit yes very brightly lit so anyway he's kind of creeping on her he starts whacking it <laughs> and uh, i did honestly i never knew that he was actually jerking it before <laughs> even though he does he says a line of just like uh i can't remember what it was but he says a line and then you hear like the zip of his pants yeah and that never really clicked for me because i mean i haven't seen this movie at least in i don't know seven eight years maybe more yeah you know it's a funny movie but it's not one that you like you know i i, I need to go back and rewatch. Like it's one i know the lines the- enough to just be like oh yeah that's a funny line that's a funny honestly movie. this is probably only the second time i've seen the movie okay but yeah so so he's uh he's enjoying himself while he's watching this lady skinny dip mm-hmm. tommy ends up walking in and he immediately knows what the hell's going on he <laughs> sees the the lady and he's like oh were you watching spank Travision? <laughs> and just other funny stuff which for some reason it just didn't really click but then there's actually some good like kind of like pun ones in there too you know he says uh Maybe you were watching a movie with that funny comedian oh what's his name buddy whack it all right then let's get some shut eye Hey, that's a pretty girl down there. Good for her. Jeez, I wonder if she goes out with one of the Yankees. But you see, because he's yanking, John. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's yanking himself. And that's why it's, yeah. And then another awesome, I thought another awesome one was he, uh, he, has, <laughs> he talks about which one's, uh, who's his favorite little <laughs> rascal. Is it Alfalfa? Richard, who's your favorite little rascal? Alfalfa? Or is it Spanky? Sinner. Because he's spanking it, John. He's spanking the monkey. That joke I got as a kid for some reason. The rest of them flew right over my head. Yeah, they really did. Uh, and and they a lot of them flew over my head before, but now I, I totally understood it this time. All right, so again, Paul tries to fuck things up, and he's a little bit more successful this time because he's in Michelle's office, and she kind of has her own specific way of organizing all the shipping. Mm-hmm. And so he fucks up with her computer systems. You know, just sending people the wrong orders and everything's getting fucked up. And one funny scene that I definitely remembered was he sits down at one point, you know, with uh, next to her little 
mail tube thing and uh, his shirt gets caught up in it and ends up getting sucked right off uh, and it's quite funny and you have rob Lowe shirtless uh, yes. which is just, just is humorous which i'm actually going to talk about this scene when we talk about home improvement oh okay interesting uh all right and now we are going to cut to what i think is probably maybe the second most quoted and second most recreated scene from the entire movie is david spade walks up to the hotel room and he knocks on the door (laughs) pretending to be the uh cleaning lady housekeeping no thank you sleeping housekeeping come back in an hour housekeeping you want towels towels need sleepy housekeeping you want men for pillow Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God. Housekeeping, you want me to jerk you off? I've definitely used that like exact line yeah. multiple times. Same. It's it's anytime you knock on a door now, like <laughs> that's 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 almost what I do first. Right. You know, <laughs> it's that or like the two bit song. You know, right. Uh, yeah, shaving a haircut. It's either it's either I'm gonna knock and pretend to be housekeeping uh, to jerk you off, or I'm gonna you know do you know shaving a haircut two bits. Right. If it's one of the other people, it's probably <laughs> me on the other side of that door. I'm not actually gonna jerk you off. God, get your fucking minds out the gutter. But anyway, Tommy and Richard have sold enough of these brake parts. They're excited. You know, they're heading back. Uh, and on the drive back, I think a thing that I always really liked because I I found it was very real. They're singing songs. You know, in the car, REMs, it's the end of the world as we know it, starts playing. Mm-hmm. And they all, they start singing the line and everybody knows, six o'clock TV hour. And then <laughs> they just kind of trail off. And then, <laughs> I mean, I know it's don't get caught in four and tower. And that's all I know. And then, and then it just like fast lyrics. Slice and, and they burn, just, return, and, and, listen to yourself, turn. There you go. But like most people, once, once uh, Michael Stipe starts singing quickly, you just kind of trail off. But it's it just, it's funny. Uh, and it, it, cause it's, it's definitely like how we would do it. Don't feel bad people. According to legend, Michael Stipe can't sing this song without the lyric sheet anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's great he, that's great he famously can never remember the lyrics to his own songs so. yeah that's valid there's a lot of lyrics and they're said very quickly so but then also some more just kind of good humor where uh, they're still singing and there's this spanish songs that come up and they both know the song and they're singing it so passionately <laughs> it works really well We get back, they get back to town and the shipping has been utterly ruined by whatever Paul did. And they're going to end up having to sell to Zelensky. Uh, Michelle quits and is a little bit distraught at what's going on. Uh, And she's at the airport and she ends up seeing Paul and Beverly and they're making out. And she's like, what the fuck? And so she starts doing some investigating. <laughs> Tommy and Richard uh, are driving and they end up getting uh, they're they're drinking because they're sad about what the hell's going on. Or at least Richard's drinking heavily. Tommy's actually being, you know, the responsible one right. for once. And they end up getting like 
uh, pulled over by cops and they're just driving erratically. And Tommy, in one of his very smart moves that he said his dad taught him, uh, which is also something that I feel like I've seen not people recreate it with cops, but like just recreate it for funny. Right. They pull over and they run out and they, you know, say there's bees, bees, bees in the car, bees everywhere. God, they're huge. They're ripping my flesh off. It's a really fucking hilarious <laughs> scene. I, I love it. And the cops are afraid of the bees and they're uh, allergic. And so they're like, no, fuck this. We're getting out of here. Right. Uh, because of that, Tommy ends up seeing this Zelensky billboard and he gets the idea, okay, I'm going to go meet with Zelensky and just try and do whatever I can to, to save this town and and save the company to get on a flight. They have to dress up as flight attendants, which would sure as hell not work. Uh, That's, that's (laughs) no way. Right. Even back in that day, like you have to have credentials, Yeah, (laughs) you know, but whatever. Well, I mean, do you remember the movie? um, Catch me if you can. Yeah. Yeah. So you know how he dressed up as a pilot and then just got on a bunch of free flights. True. Yeah. That really happened. Yeah. You're right. That was, that was based on a lot of truth there. So yeah, you know what? Maybe they could, I'm sure Tommy is uh, that good, and he's just <laughs> that slick with it. Because uh, we see just how slick he is, you know, when he has to do the uh, flight announcements, and he puts the uh, life preserver over his right. over himself, and he accidentally inflates it, and you get that just fantastic Chris Farley physical humor, choking himself, and he has to stab it with a fucking pen so he can breathe again. <laughs> It's comedy gold. Yeah. Like this, this scene is almost really it's unnecessary. We could have just cut straight to Chicago. Like just assume they get there. Right. But this, you get these quick little physical comedy gold parts from him. Very similarly, the him j- dressing and changing, changing in the in the bathroom. Uh, oh my in gosh! The, at the air in the, in the plane is is a great fucking scene. Like they have got you know this high angle shot, uh, and then also like tight shots going on, and he's just having a hell of a time and shit's falling on him and other stuff. And then he ends up falling through the door. Uh, it's good. I, I mean, I, it's, it's one that definitely made me laugh as a kid. And nowadays I appreciate just like the work and the physical humor that he put into it, that I still appreciate it. I, uh, when we got to this scene and we were watching, I was watching this with my wife. When we got to this part, I looked over and I said, this scene is my worst nightmare. And she's like, <laughs> having, she's like having to change clothes in a airplane bathroom. I'm like pretty much having to do anything other than pee in an airplane yeah. bathroom. I'm already, I already get a little claustrophobic on a plane anyway. And then anytime I have mm-hmm. to go to the bathroom is just, I hate having to go in there. Cause it's, so, I'm such a big guy and it's so tiny. That's the worst. Yeah. I wonder if, um, sorry, this is kind of an aside. I wonder if this scene was before or after David Spade was doing the flight attendant skit on SNL. Oh, yeah. Bye-bye. Is that the bye-bye now? Bye-bye. Yeah, that one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Uh, you know, I bet I bet this is after. I mean, this is 95 when this film came out. Because I bet one informed the other. I, I think that was probably had to be like more the early 90s as opposed to mid. Probably like the, I would guess 93, 94, maybe 93 or earlier. Okay. But yeah, I, I bet I bet that was. Okay. Sure. That's, it's, I, I'm always all for reliving some SNL skits. <laughs> Those make me happy. Especially the good ones. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So they get to Chicago and they get to the building. Tommy, in his excitement trying to find Zelensky, ends up holding up a bank. It's just kind of... <laughs> funny he does he does it on accident right he just screams loudly um and he ends up uh, him and richard end up running into Zelensky on the elevator and they give him a pitch and they're you know they're walking through the factory they're trying to make it happen a funny just another funny little scene uh an engine fan turns on and you see david spade uh, apparently has a has a he had a piece on the entire time mm-hmm. and it flings back 
which is very unnecessary little scene, but it's just it's just a nice little <laughs> nugget. It's just, it's just very funny. This comes out of nowhere, really, because nobody was expecting that. Right. But it, it is it is humorous. And uh, uh, Zelensky ends up, you know, saying pretty much no when he enters this boardroom. And we see that Paul and Beverly are in there as well. And, and as are the rest of the Callahan mm-hmm. people, because they're all going to be selling the company to Zelensky. And things aren't looking very good, but Michelle gets to Chicago and she just luckily happens to find them on the bench yeah. and see them there. <laughs> it's a that's a bit of a coincidence that, you know, she must have like had a fucking tracker on him or something, because how else would she have known exactly what entrance on this perfectly huge building they were gonna be at right. and everything. But whatever. That's what that's why it's a story that you know, <laughs> that's why it's worth being a movie, because it's the improbable stories. Right. She tells them that Paul and Beverly were already married, so basically makes their wedding or their marriage uh, invalid so they don't own any of the fucking stock. But Tommy, to try and get up back to the boardroom, comes up with a plan of strapping on these road flares that look like TNT to his chest. Mm -hmm. Again, another funny little scene. He accidentally holds up the bank again (laughs) uh, as this news crew is there. Uh, And and now Tommy takes the news crew with him because previously you kind of see a difference between the Zelensky on screen and his persona of being the all-American man uh, with, you know, the kind of crude businessman that he really Mm -hmm. is. They get to the boardroom just as the papers are about to be signed, and Tommy puts Zelensky on the spot to help out Callahan and get these 500,000 brake pads ordered, uh, which Zelensky's like, fuck it, sure, I'll sign that because I'm going to own this, you know, I'm going to own the company in, in a minute anyway. And, you know, one thing that is also important with the scene, Tommy is doing like this pitch in front of the cameras, and he says the T-bone line again, and this time he gets it right. Yep. Hey, I'll tell you what. I can get a good look at a T-bone by sticking my head up a bull's ass, but I'd rather take the butcher's word for it. And so it kind of really just really hammers home that Tommy Boy is, you know, starting to kind of channel his dad and he's starting to kind of mature, at least when it comes to being a salesman and and to kind of do those pitches. And I think it shows that, okay, everything's going to be all right with Tommy from here on out. And uh, after after that's all signed and good, uh, Zelensky thinks he's set and you know he's just gonna buy the company but michelle outs paul and beverly so their shares are invalid paul tries to escape and he runs and he ends up getting uh thrown into a chair and his balls getting smashed by a big sandbag <laughs> physical comedy uh you know or little slapsticky stuff it's it's humorous it's probably i, I appreciated it more as a kid but it's it's not bad. Tommy ends up saving the company. He gets the girl. And, you know, a, a line that I do not want to skip over is as Tommy is addressing the entire town, basically, like he's addressing the company. He says, like, you know, you're all like my family. Lewis, we built our first port together. And Danny, remember when we used to burn ants with a magnifying glass? <laughs> RT, I lost my virginity to your daughter for crying out loud. <laughs> and it's just like, holy shit, what the fuck? And then he says another line that even heightens it. Another one, he's like, Rob, you were there. Right. And it's just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> that is funny as hell. I love that line. We end with a little scene where Tommy's in his sailboat, kind of like, you know, talking to his father, to quote unquote, the spirit of his father. Um, and he's kind of stuck there with no wind. Uh, the wind picks up in this, you know, great little spot, a moment of hope, a moment of, you know, okay, uh, you know, you're kind of talking to your dad kind of thing. Uh, and he gets knocked in the head. <laughs> 
by the uh, sail and it's or the mast or yeah. whatever. I don't know what that thing is. And we get he ends with the line, you know, that's going to leave a mark, which is something that he said throughout the entire movie. Right. Um, but it's one more little funny physical humor. Let's go into final thoughts. Uh, John, how about you start us off? Oddly enough, this was actually never a movie I was particularly fond of. I never really saw this movie when it first came out. When Chris Farley started putting out all these other movies afterwards, I kind of was sick of his humor. And it happens like after so many uh, Will Ferrell movies, I kind of got sick of watching Will Ferrell movies. Same way with like Seth Rogen and stuff like that. So this movie, I actually didn't really see fully until I was probably in college. Mm. And it has it definitely has funny moments. And it, it, you know, the parts that make me laugh and I can appreciate it. It's got a sweet story. But it's definitely not one I go back to. But that's just my own sort of personal tastes on the matter. Mm-hmm. Overall, I actually find it to be a quite good movie. It shows a lot of heart. It's not just the dumb slapstick. And that is there. And that stuff is funny. Um, and I think there's about just the right amount. I don't think there's too... I don't think there's too much. I mean, there's probably a few ones that were unnecessary, but they were still funny. I, 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 this is kind of a middle-of-the-road review for me because I don't love this movie and I don't hate this movie. Okay. It just kind of... It is. If it's on and other people are watching it, I will watch it and I will laugh, but I don't go out of my way to watch this movie. Well, you seem to... I mean, you appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. You can, you can tell the humor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm definitely more on the nostalgic side of Tommy Boy. I definitely watched it when I was a kid. Uh, me and my friends would definitely be the type of people who would quote this kind of movie uh, and and just kind of recreate some of those scenes. And I remember a lot about this movie because I've seen it multiple times. You know, I already owned this movie, so this is one that you know I definitely appreciated. Uh, and I'm really really happy to say that this movie holds up for mm-hmm. me for someone who liked it as a kid. For someone who loved the lines, uh, the lines are still fucking good. Yeah. You know, the the physical humor from Chris Farley is still pretty fucking hilarious. And, you know, if, if you liked it as a kid, and even if, you know, I don't know, even if you, or like yourself, you know, who didn't love the humor, but you appreciated Chris Farley and you appreciated like SNL and that kind of stuff, yeah. it's, it's worth a watch. It is it's fucking good, yeah. and I'm really, really happy that I've got to watch it again. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's a good buddy comedy, but there's a lot of heart to it, as you mentioned. And actually, you know, I really do like the relationship between Tommy Boy and Big Tom, and it just it just it feels natural. Yeah. Um, and so, like, you know, losing his dad in that spot, you know, is something that yeah, it just it uh, it works really, really well for me as a story. You know, I I liked it. I'm I'm so happy. That uh, Stephen Wilhelm ah uh, it asked us to do this this episode because um, yeah I, I haven't seen this one in a long time but I'm really really happy I did yeah. I I would agree it's still the humor still holds up yeah it's not it's not dated no not at all and nothing nothing really about the movie dates it at all even what little technology you see which is for me usually what dates a movie mm-hmm. nothing about it really dates it because the story seems like it could be set in any time yeah i mean it's in its auto parts yeah. you know they're not they're not making model t's here right. you know they're they're just doing red generic cars right. so it works so, well yeah i definitely so. agree with that assessment i appreciate it for what it is and actually i really appreciate yeah. that uh steven wilhelm ah! uh, really wanted us to to do this <laughs> actually I guess, otherwise i don't know if we when we would have ever gotten to this yeah yeah it would have been a long time so all right. Well, on his recommendation, let's go over to Home Improvement. Huh? <laughs> 
All right, home improvement. This show ran from 1991 to 1999, eight seasons, 204 episodes. I, I kind of forgot that it was that many episodes, but this was a big show. Mm-hmm. It was on ABC and it lasted like it lasted through pretty much the entire freaking decade. So that's pretty impressive. It stars Tim Allen as our Tim, the tool man, Taylor, Tim Allen. This is this is really the show that blew up his career. Mm-hmm. He was a stand up comedian yeah. before this. And he's got some pretty good humor out there. Pretty good uh, comedy. Yeah. But this was really the catalyst that like brought him into the homes. And, you know, he's a he's pretty big now. You know, he I mean, he was he had the Santa Claus movies, Galaxy Quest. Uh, he he's Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story. So like you know he fucking killed it. You yeah. know doing that. Uh, he also has a very kind of a similar ish show, which I've seen a couple episodes called Last Man Standing, yeah. which is still on right now, which is another pretty decent sitcom. It's it's funny enough. It's a a lot of sitcoms. I think lean. A little, I don't say left politically, but yeah. The Last Man Standing is kind of like trying to capture the right audience, yeah, uh, more of the conservative side. But it's it's not a bad bad show by any means. No, I've watched it; it's still funny. But it's yeah, which I don't mean to say conservatives aren't funny, because right. uh, <laughs> uh, there's some conservatives I think are freaking hilarious. Yeah. Um, but uh, it is just kind of I, I find that somewhat interesting. But it's a good it's. it's Pretty solid sitcom for sure. Yeah. And he got this show at a time when comedians were getting a lot of their own shows. This Ray Romano, you know, it honestly, it all stemmed from when Seinfeld yeah. got his show. And uh, Adam, you do a show about Seinfeld, don't you? I do. What a perfect segue. Uh, I do a podcast called Cotwright, a Seinfeld podcast with my buddy Corey Stevenson that you would have heard of him on this podcast, Blast From Our Past, if you don't know the name of the podcast you're listening to. <laughs> uh, I hope you do. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he's been on multiple episodes of here, uh, and I've talked about it. I've promoted the show before, but I'm just thank you, John, for letting me promote it again. Uh, we're doing a episode-by-episode episode breakdown of Seinfeld. Please go check that out. You can find it anywhere you can find this podcast. You can find that one too so if you're listening to this one i can sure you'll be able to find that one too and it's worth a listen i don't even like seinfeld and i listen mostly because i just like listening to adam and Corey talk well thank you that that is a hell of an endorsement because i try and say seinfeld lines or like little stuff like that and john's just like looks at me like i'm a fucking idiot (laughs) Um, but if he tells me he's listened to uh some episodes and he has found the humor in it then i think anybody can find the humor (laughs) in it so everybody go out there tell your mom tell your grandmother (laughs) tell your dog to go listen and also uh, tell them to to go, uh, you know, write a review on iTunes uh, and, and give us a rating. Anything like that would be very helpful. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't done it for this podcast, please, God, give us a rating on iTunes <laughs> or a review. Uh, we haven't had a new one in a long time, and I want to read somebody else's review, and, I, and nobody else has given us a fucking iTunes review. So please fucking do that. We've had some ratings, just not uh, not any reviews lately. Yeah, yeah, but I can't read. Well, it's another five star. Or <laughs> We did get our first three star not too long ago, yeah. which we have all other fives in one three, which is fine you know star us however the hell you want to star us but i kind of wish the three would have written something so i could have like you know i i want to i want to know what the feedback is how can i improve (laughs) but whatever anyway uh audience please go do stuff um and then we'll keep talking and i'm gonna i'm gonna go talk i'm gonna get let's keep talking how about that john (laughs) okay all right let's talk about oh yeah uh, Tim's character, Tim the Toolman Taylor. Um, so he's basically he's really a classic goofball dad. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like he's a very similar to a lot of other goofy dads that we've seen on screen before. There's, he also has a lot of like machismo, a lot of testosterone. Yeah, but he does love his family. Uh, and as you already made the sound before, 
Uh, he is best known for his grunts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which he did in his stand-up. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of that's part of him, and I think yeah, it was part of the pitch probably for doing this show. Right. Patricia Richardson plays the wife and mother Jill Taylor. She has been in a lot of little things. Um, she's best known for this role. She also had a long role on a show called Strong Medicine, which I'd never honestly even heard of, but it had a you know it lasted for a good little while. Uh, but this is definitely the most the role that most people know her. Uh, and in this show, just like a lot of sitcoms, she's the real leader and the real boss <laughs> of the household. Right. You know, she's, and honestly, she's the smartest one of the household. Right. uh, Where kind of like the goofball dad is really the idiot. And uh, I think Patricia Richardson plays a really strong sitcom sitcom mom. You know, I think this is a, I like Jill Taylor a lot. And she's, she's good. She's intelligent. You have to balance out kind of like the over testosterone machismo of Tim Taylor with an equally strong female character. And I think she really is. And there's a, there's a scene or there's, there's uh, a whole season later where she, stops being you know just like the stay-at-home mother and she wants to go she goes back to school Mm -hmm. and you know she wants to you know continue her education and stuff like that which is a nice progressive thing you know i mean maybe it's not like super progressive at the time but it is something that shows like yeah fuck it she if she wants to do something she should be able to do it so uh, i like her a lot as a as a sitcom mom and um, as an actress in this show yeah uh richard karn plays al borland um he is also best known for this show but i like him a lot as one of the hosts of Family Feud back in the day. I honestly I would say he was probably my favorite host of out of all of them. It might be a tie between him and uh Ray Combs. Yeah, Ray Combs, yeah. The two of them, it's it's kind of a, a, a tough one too as to which one. I might be feeling one over the other on certain days, but th- those two are my top two for sure. I actually, uh, when I first got to Hollywood, uh, Richard Carner was still still doing Family Feud mm-hmm. uh, when I first moved there, and uh, I went in to be like a, I went to go be like a seat filler yeah. uh, at, at Family Feud, and I got to watch you know him do it, and it was I really liked it. Like I, I thought he was a really, really strong host. He was, you know, he's very approachable. He seemed, you know, he just seemed like somebody who could, uh, you know, he wasn't too intimidating or whatnot. I, right. I liked, I, I liked his. You know, I'm with you. I probably put Ray Combs for me. Probably put Ray Combs as number one. And for us, when we first started watching Family Feud, Ray Combs was the host. Yeah. And so that's probably why I'm most nostalgic for him. Mm-hmm. Richard Dawson, obviously the guy who did it, I think maybe for the, I don't even know if it was for the longest, but he started off the show. He is who a lot of people think of as the family feud guy, but he's like, I don't know. He's like maybe my fourth or fifth favorite host. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. But like, yeah, for me, like I loved Ray Combs. I, and then Richard Karn is like right below him for me, probably. And then Louis Anderson is probably right below that. And then probably, probably Steve Harvey after that. And then John O'Hurley after that. And the, yeah, no, I'll probably put, maybe I put Richard Dawson above Steve or, uh, I probably put a Richard Dawson. Well, maybe not above Steve Harvey, but probably above John O'Hurley. Mm-hmm. I'm just going through on my family <laughs> feud <laughs> tangent. I love game shows. People. I'm not going to lie. Like the fuck it. If, if I had cable, I'm so happy. I don't have cable because if I did, I wouldn't watch anything else. I wouldn't watch game of Thrones. I wouldn't watch any fucking show because I would just be stuck on GSN all day, every day. <laughs> And that's what I did in college, man. When uh, th- we had the Game Show Network, and that's all I fucking watched, <laughs> man. You know what? Another top ten. I think another top ten episode that we have to do is our top ten favorite game show hosts of all time. Yeah, let's do it. Oh yeah, that'd Let's be a good do one. It. We'll put that on the list. That would be perfect because I got a plethora, baby. 
Love game show hosts. I love fucking game shows. Okay. Ah! Okay. All right. Um, let's talk Wilson. That was played by Earl Hindman. Uh, he passed away in 2003, so not long after the show, which ended in 1999. Yeah. He uh, was, for me, mostly known for this show, but for a lot of people, he was on a soap opera called Ryan's Hope, which I have no idea what the fuck that show was. <laughs> That show, it was a soap opera. We had a ton. He was on that show for 461 episodes. Wow. Which is so, I mean, as a soap opera, it's on every fucking day. Right. But obviously, it was a show that lasted for a long time. I saw that they had like, you know, there was one actor who who was on that show for over 900 episodes. Hmm. That was a, a pretty long lasting soap opera, but I, I'd never heard of it. It obviously wasn't one of the bigger ones. Yeah. Wilson kind of was the sage, wise neighbor who would end up giving advice to Tim. He was awesome. I remember in, it was one of like the, the finale episode, I think is, you know, at the at the absolute end of it, he kind of like walked out on stage. He had a little fake fence over his mouth. And then I think he ended up actually showing his face because he would, he would hide behind this fence the entire time. That was the whole thing. You know, part of his characters, you never saw his nose and below. And there's right. there's a whole mystery to him, but he was like this mysterious uh, wise man. But he was he was a fun character. I liked him quite a bit. And then of course we had the three different Taylor boys. Uh, we had Zachary Ty Bryan, who played Brad Taylor, who was the oldest son. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, and that's a about really all I'd seen him before besides this. Jonathan Taylor Thomas played Randy Taylor, the middle child. Uh, he ended up leaving the show, I think, in the last season or maybe the second to last season mm-hmm. or something. I guess he wanted to try and move on to his uh, movie career or something else, or maybe it was school. <laughs> I can't remember. But JTT, as he was well known throughout the 90s, he was a massive heartthrob for a lot of tween and preteen girls yeah. in that time. I think even our sister had some JTT stuff on her wall. Yeah, well, I, it's funny. I was when I was watching this the other night, my wife uh, was watching it with me, and she was, you know, laughing at the show. And I was like, I said, "Did you watch this show as a kid?" And she's like, "Of course I did." I was like, "Really?" <laughs> she's like, "Any show that Jonathan Taylor Thomas was on, a whole bunch of teenage <laughs> girls were watching it. Trust me." I was like, "Okay, yes. okay, oh yeah, definitely." So, uh, which. Uh, JTT, besides this, uh, he's kind of most famous for, he did the voice of Simba in The Lion King, and uh, he, or the young Simba. And then he was also in Wild America, which was a semi-popular movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Taryn Noah Smith played Mark Taylor, uh, who was the youngest child, who actually, he stopped acting pretty much after Home Improvement. Okay. I am assuming he just kind of like, you know, does quote-unquote more normal life now, if I had to guess. Some other people of note that I want to bring up, Debbie Dunning played Heidi. Uh, Heidi was kind of like the eye candy for the Tool Time show. Mm Mm-hmm. And she really hasn't done too much else that I recognized. Uh, but for the first two seasons of Home Improvement, the quote-unquote eye candy for Tool Time was Lisa, who was played by Pamela Anderson. Yeah, this is what really kind of launched her career, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this and the porn tape she had with Tommy <laughs> Lee. Yeah, so those are the probably the two big things. But yeah, I think she left this show to go join Baywatch. Yeah. If I, if I believe. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, and then the porn tapes really what skyrocketed her, but tool time, uh, that show was this kind of like, you know, it was, it was a fake, just like a tool handyman yeah. show kind of like, you know, almost like this old house. Right. Um, but, but for like public access yeah. TV kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but they had, so they had a good budget for public access. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Uh, they were sponsored. They were sponsored to me pretty famous, famously by a fake, 
tool company called Binford. Right. Uh, and so e- every episode of Tool Time, uh, you know, was brought to you by Binford and like this new tool that they were bringing out. And Tim being his, he, th- the big part of his character was all about, you know, more power. Right. You know, that was one of one of the lines that, that everybody in like, I guess a catchphrase of the Tool Time show, you know, he wanted to try and soup up everything. And it was just, it was just kind of funny because I think a lot of guys can relate to like, you know, that machismo kind of bullshit. Right. Uh, and it's just, it's funny. But in, but Tim takes it to a whole nother fucking level. You know, he's super goofball about it and it works really well. I want to talk a little bit about the theme song. Yeah. So uh, the theme song is, is pretty much instrumental and you get these added grunts, these Tim Allen grunts in there. <laughs> And honestly, I like it. I, it's yeah. a catchy, just the music behind it, it works. It's very catchy. The look of the theme song or of like the opening intro, it, it, it was like almost like a paper mache kind of thing, which is like almost stop motion-y to an extent. Uh, it was very stylized. Right. It reminded me, and I don't know if it reminded you, it kind of almost reminded me of the music video Sledgehammer by Peter oh. Gabriel. Yeah. Just a, just a little bit, you know, with like a papery look. And, I, and I'm curious if they did it on purpose because, you know, that was sledgehammer right and this is about tools and home improvement so i don't know maybe maybe the show had a very typical formula basically tim fucks up something and jill gets upset with him and then wilson kind of teaches him a lesson and then eventually tim tries to like you know repeat the lesson uh, on his tool time show about like you know you know, him learning and trying to, like, basically apologizing to Jill. I felt like that kind of thing happened almost every episode was pretty much the formula. More or less. And he would, like, he would fuck up whatever Wilson taught him. Tim would always fuck it up. <laughs> and just, like, it would be twisted in just a little bit dumber way. Right. That he still got the point, but he just kind of fucked up whatever story or, like, you know, Wilson would always say, oh, I'm reminded by this random tribe in Uganda right. or whatever. And and Tim would be, like, you know, he, he would he would turn it into something, you know, just stupid. And, and us as an audience, you know, we know what he should have known. And so it makes it funny because like things don't, things don't sink in with Tim. That's for damn sure. Right. He gets some of the big points, but like most stuff, he just, <laughs> he, 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 have to get through a thick fucking skull <laughs> to, to, for him to really get it. Yeah. So this show is still on syndication. I see it pop up on TV from time to time. So it's still up there. So what I wanted to talk about earlier, but the scene in Tommy boy, with Rob Lowe's character having his shirt ripped off. Mm-hmm. So I watched the movie, and then immediately after the movie, I watched two episodes of Home Improvement. It happened to be, I just I was just picking a random one, and I ended up going to like the fourth season, and I saw this two-parter. So I was like, oh, I'll watch that. Well, the two-parter mm-hmm. ended actually ended up being just a clips show. Oh, okay. One of the clips was Tim standing in front of a wood lathe and having his shirt ripped off in the exact same way. <laughs> oh, nice. So it was like back to back. I saw those two scenes. I was like, that was a weird coincidence. <laughs> yes, it was. You know what? That makes a lot more sense. I don't know why. You know, I, I should be looking for the clip shows on these uh-huh. because I should watch like maybe like 
one regular episode and then a clip show to kind of get like some of the highlights. I, I, I like that idea. I'm probably going to start using that for when we kind of like do a review for these shows in the future. Okay. Well, I, I didn't do it on purpose. I just a- it happened to, I saw a two parter and I was like, Oh, that'll be mm-hmm. a, a good two story one to watch. And then it ended up being a clip show. They did have a funny part in it though, where, and I think it was shot for the episode. I don't think it was a clip where they, it was, it was a throwback to the pilot episode of tool time. Tim comes out and he has a beard and then Al comes out and he's clean shaven. Yes, I've, I have seen that one before. I remember that. So, uh, Which is fun because, yeah, Richard Karn has got his big beard. And, and one of the things that I like about their dynamic on Tool Time uh-huh. is, you know, Tim, he's knowledgeable, but he's like a dumb goof. And Al Borland is really the smart one yes. on the show. Like, he knows everything. And everybody <laughs> knows it except for Tim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very true. And there's, I love the line and and Richard Carnes delivery was perfect because he had a little catchphrase and he would just turn to Tim and say, I don't think so, Tim. Right. (laughs) Every time, you know, whenever, whenever Tim was going to do something dumb or said something dumb, that was kind of Al's catchphrase and it worked really well. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, let's, uh, that's, that's pretty much the gist. It was, you know, pretty formulaic kind of a sitcom. You know, there was not a massive through line. Uh, there were some different things that they brought up here and there. I mean, one thing I did like about it, uh, and you get this a lot with like the sitcom shows that last forever, obviously, is, you know, we saw those boys, the Taylor boys grow up right. like throughout the years. And, you know, when they're young, they're just little kids. And then if you skip seasons, like, holy shit, those guys are, I mean, they're, they're, they become real young men and like they're in college or past college and like the actors were probably like, you know, you know, well into their mid twenties or whatnot right. at that point. But uh, it's just kind of, it's kind of cool. And so like these kids like grow up in front of your eyes and like you, you see them. And so you kind of get, you can, I, you know, get, you feel like you get to know them more, which is, I think a fun thing about, you know, some of these sitcoms. So. Yeah. All right. Anyway, let's, uh, let's go into our uh, final discussions. Uh, you know, your, what are your final thoughts on home improvement? Mostly I still think the show holds up. I still find it funny. Sometimes there are jokes that, that really don't land or that they're mm-hmm. kind of out of date jokes where I'm like, eh, you would never hear that joke today. But overall, I still find the show to be funny. And every so often, if it happens to be on TV and nothing else is on, I will put it on. And, uh, I, really think that the show is really well done the humor is still generally relatable the cast is actually pretty top-notch i agree Uh, i mean this was a very popular sitcom and i can see why i I agree i think it really holds up yeah the the overall yes it it feels very 90s Mm -hmm. but not in a bad way you know in in a nostalgic way and i like the the family dynamic is really strong i love the dynamic between tim and al i think that's really really good there's strong values in the show uh, and typically there's a lot of goofy shit tim learning from his idiocy and it's funny and so i would absolutely be up for watching more of this show so you know if if there if this comes up on syndication or if you know i'm feeling particularly nostalgic and want to watch a 90s sitcom this one could totally make the list so i, I was quite happy and pleased by rewatching home improvement yeah i was too i think it was a good call thank you steven <laughs> This episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast is not brought to you by Constructs. Constructs. You build. Constructs. Power. Batteries not included. Constructs. You build. Constructs. Control. 
Bucks from Fisher Price. All right, and now we're going to do the casting portion. As we mentioned before, uh, Stephen Wilhelm uh, has asked us to cast a new version of Home Improvement. So the characters we've decided to do is the family, Tim, uh, Jill, and the boys, Brad, Randy, and Mark. We're also going to be casting Al and Wilson. We briefly talked about maybe kind of casting Heidi, but she mostly just ends up, uh, as Adam kind of mentioned, being eye candy in the show. And so the casting there would be less yeah. important. Talent-driven. Talent-driven. Unless, yeah. unless they made her kind of like an Al type character where she really was actually more knowledgeable than Tim to begin with but then then you have two characters of the same type and so we're, we're kind of yeah. we're just sticking with the original formula for now there's a lot of ways I'm sure you could take that so seven characters that's that's a pretty good chunk mm-hmm. so uh We'll end uh, kind of with our biggest characters, I think. I just want to knock out the the kids yeah. early because, you know, uh, we're not going to be picking, you know, it, it's so tough to get the kid actors. And so I think we just kind of, we knock those out, wham, wham, bam. And then, you know, the, the Wilson, Al, Jill, and Tim are, are our big ones yeah, for sure. they will be. All right. So we'll go from youngest to oldest. Uh, we'll start with Mark. And Adam, why don't you start us off? So uh, I wanted to stick to young. Definitely, I, I, I wanted to pick young. And because when I saw and rewatched, I watched the pilot, you know, they are, holy shit, they're younger than even I remembered. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to be able to pick young kids who could grow with a show that could potentially go for another freaking like eight, nine, ten years. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to fully stick with just boys. Okay. I mixed it up. So actually in the youngest and the one thing about Mark uh, was Mark was someone who, you know, early on at least would like go in and like, you know, work in work in the shop with his dad and try and be cute. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I thought it would be nice. Also, Mark was kind of like the nerd of the group. Ah. I think I think I think I remember at one point Mark kind of got into the whole goth phase. Yeah. And and that was a whole storyline where he kind of like turned goth. But the thing that I also really remember is Brad and Randy would pick on Mark all the time. Mm -hmm. And so what I thought made sense, because I wanted to to mix things up a a little bit dynamic wise, is I wanted to make my Mark a girl. Okay. uh, A Marquette. Because one, it kind of makes sense where I think, you know, two boys. uh, So I have my dynamic, as you'll see, is, you know, my Brad and Randy are both boys and my Mark is a female. Because I think you kind of, you get like two two older boys would probably pick on the younger daughter. And I wanted to have a, a female in there. So you will see that my daughter, my Marquette, Marquetta, is an actress called Faith Herman. And she has been on This Is Us, which is a, you know, very strong show. She was also in the recent movie Shazam. So if you would recognize her from that. But that's, uh, that is my Mark, Marquetta. Okay. I loved her in Shazam. She was adorable. Yeah, she is adorable. Absolutely adorable. And so I think she would be, you know, Mark as a kid was very adorable. And so I think she would be good in that. Okay. Um, I admittedly, I did just sort of stick with the three boys. I actually did cast not terribly older, but I did cast a little bit older. So kind of probably where they were in about middle of the run. You and I are notoriously are horrible about casting kids because we just don't we just don't know that many kid actors so my mark for me is actually going to be someone who is going to be in the upcoming child's play remake and his name is gabriel bateman okay he does look like a kid (laughs) uh all right yeah yeah good for him good job kid you're a kid cool i I, i'm sure i'm sure he is perfect yeah 
Uh, we'll kind of knock through these kids pretty fast because I don't think we're yeah, really going to yeah. know them that well. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, my Randy. Yeah. Uh, Randy was kind of like, you know, good looking star of of the show, of the kids anyway. Uh-huh. Um, so I went with a uh, good looking actor. You're also going to be a good looking actor. You know, that's for sure. When you play the younger version of Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger in Black Panther. Because oh. Michael B. Jordan is a beautiful man. <laughs> and this actor, Seth Carr, played the child version of Kidmonger that we, or Killmonger that we saw in Black Panther. Okay. Right now he's 11. Uh, he's right at the age range that I'm wanting. You know, I kind of, I have my mark, my Faith, Faith Herman is 10. Uh, Seth Carr is 11. And then my my Brad will be, will be 12. And so they're kind of like, you know, Right, right, wham, bam, bam. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, his name is Seth Carr, and that is my Randy. Oh, yeah. I liked him in, in Black Panther. It'd be great to yeah. see him in, uh, in uh, something like this. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, so mine is I just kind of looked up kids actors and who'd, who'd been in a few things, had, had kind of had like those boyish good looks, and mm-hmm. so I picked a kid named Bryce Geyser or Gazer. I'm not really sure how it's pronounced uh he was in he was in the movie wonder he wasn't the lead in wonder uh he was also in the movie a dog's purpose which those oh uh, that that looked awful i know i know i luckily i haven't had to see it but i have had to see i did have to take my daughter to it was like a spinoff or it was a movie done by the same lady who wrote the book a dog's purpose it was a different movie but it was you know it's about dogs and my daughter's into that stuff so there's another one of those movies coming out and i'm sure i'll have to uh take her to see that too yeah no he's a good looking kid could totally see maybe him being the next jtt yeah you never know never know all right Let's get to, let's just finish this off. Um, my Brad is uh, an actor who has uh, currently been on uh, Cloak and Dagger. Oh. Is the most recent thing that he's been on. So it's a pretty pretty cool little show there that Marvel's got going on. Uh, and that's what he's probably best known for. But uh, he's 12 years old right now, so he's uh, you know kind of like in that that age range that I'm wanting. Mm-hmm. He's, I think he's going to be a cool little actor. His name is uh, Maceo Smedley. I like that name too. It's a good that's name. A, that's a good name. He is my Brad. A little bit older, a little bit like a, a bigger kid, but I think that that works. So yeah. Okay. Have you watched Cloak and Dagger? I have not seen it yet. I haven't either, but my wife watched it and she actually really likes it. Nice. Well, good. Well, then I am. I hope I made a good choice. <laughs> All right. So for for my Brad, uh, I went with an actor who was just uh, a couple years ago was in the movie It, the remake. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's done a, a couple of other things. He was in the movie 42, just as a like a very small bit part. Did you see 42? I did not. Oh, it's the, yeah, the Jackie, the Jackie Robinson yeah, movie. It's a great movie. It's a nice. great movie. I mean, he'll be reprising his role in the next It movie when it comes out, but I'm sure it'll be just a, as flashbacks. But uh, he looked like he would be kind of a, a good... Eh, I don't want to say he looks like a good dumb kid, because that's kind of what brad was he was kind of the dumb jock <laughs> yeah he was he was he was like the idiot but i'm sure this kid could could do what he wanted with the with this part and his name is jeremy ray taylor yeah a little chubbier kid now but he definitely could be the jock kind of type i could definitely see that i don't want all three of the kids to look no. the same. brad i think in the original is the only one who had a different kind of look to him yeah than the other two guys uh, I think those two kids all—they all kind of looked the same, which mm-hmm. you know is is not unexpected to see in a family until they got older and started to develop, you know, individual um, personalities and stuff like that. I mean, I think he could work pretty well as a—you yeah. know—all of these are shots in the dark. Yeah, they are, uh, but I'm sure they're perfect. I'm sure these were absolutely perfect castings. Okay. 
All right, let's uh, let's do let's do Wilson, Mr. Wilson. Uh, okay, not that Mr. Wilson, but <laughs> yes. Uh, why don't you go ahead? So you got to have somebody who I don't know. I, I liked that uh, Wilson was kind of tall. He was a little bit mysterious. Yeah. Because of his face, so so that's probably where maybe my casting wouldn't work because I picked an, an actor who is a well-known actor, and we've all and we've seen his face plenty of times, or at least I have, and I know you have. But he's got a really good voice, and I liked Wilson's voice, Earl Heinemann's voice. Mm-hmm. He had a nice, soothing voice that you know you wanted to listen to him. Yeah. And uh, this actor has actually become a pretty good voice actor in his own right. Not with a soothing voice, but I know he's got a good, deep voice that would make my Wilson something that I am wanting. I went with Clancy Brown. Oh, I like that. Yeah, he's, he can be tall. He could, you know, I, I could see him peering over a fence. He's got a good voice. Uh, and he does, you know, he, he's right now, I think, or he's older enough to like be wise right. and do that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's oh, what I got. I like I like that a lot. Cool. Oh, I think I like that better than mine. Woohoo! In it. Clancy Brown for the win. Well, I mean, God, it's hard to argue with Clancy Brown for anything. Yeah, true. Fucking, you could do Randy. He's the next JTT. Clancy Brown. <laughs> Easy. I would say yes. I would say yes. Uh, so uh, I went with an actor we haven't really heard too much from in a while. He's just done a few things here or there. But he's really funny, and he is actually pretty tall, so he could kind of work with the fence bit. I, I don't know. I, I He's done some... Not necessarily voice work. I mean, he's done some voice work, I'm sure. But uh, he was really well known to kids in the 80s and kids in the 90s, but I think for two different things. He was known in the 90s for being, for some of the acting he did. He was known in the 80s for narrating the show The Wonder Years. I went with Daniel Stern. Oh, oh I mean, I like that one, too. Yeah, I mean, we know he's got a decent voice with The, with the Wonder Years, and he hasn't done much in a while, but I... I... I want to see him in more stuff. So I like that call. I think that's a cool call. I think he'd, he'd be good. If, if Clancy Brown says no, I think he'd be a good yeah. he'd be a good okay. backup. I'm down for that. Okay. Let's go to, I actually want to save, uh, I want to put Al and Tim together. So let's jump to Jill. I'll go ahead and jump in with mine. Um, okay. I actually had a little hard time with this one because I picked my Tim first, mm-hmm. and then I was having a hard time finding someone I thought would work with this with this person. But I, I think she would work well. She is maybe a little bit younger than my Tim, probably about mm-hmm. it's somewhere between five to ten years younger. She was really funny. She's actually she's known for being on co- uh, comedic shows, but I always kind of found her to be more of the straight person on those. She's not so much the one doing the comedy, which I mm. I think is Jill in this because it's not I yeah mean, Jill makes her share of crack jokes in the show yeah she's quick she's very quick yeah I could see this uh, this lady doing this I actually went with uh, Rashida Jones who was in Parks and Rec oh uh, yeah I actually saw I looked at her for a second I, I think I think she's a good call okay I very similarly I picked my Tim first mm-hmm. um, and then uh, Rashida Jones was someone that I looked at uh, but she was just slightly off enough but yeah she she probably would be yeah, I like her. I think it's a good. I like I like your Jill better than mine. Oh, even though even though I passed up on her, <laughs> I looking at it again. I'm like, you know what? She makes she makes a lot of sense. Okay, all right. 
So who'd you go with? Uh, I went with an actress who is, I don't know, maybe too big for this role and she wouldn't take it. But she she's doing a lot of comedy movies right now. And the way you put it, you know, Jill is a little bit more straight laced. She is quick and she's very funny, but she has to be, still be like the straight laced person. And this actress, she's on SNL and she's a little bit less straight laced she's kind of quirky i don't think i like her anymore but she <laughs> she could probably do it pretty good i went with kate mckinnon oh as my jill okay she i think she she could do it but honestly i think i like rashida jones better even for mine and i kind of want and i want to i want to pull rashida jones into that one so okay so yeah I, i'm giving you all the props on this one okay cool i'll take it take it where i can get it kate mckinnon's funny she's she's solid yeah all right, Big Al Borland. I'll let you have the last word on this one, so I'll do Al first. Okay. Uh, I had a hard time with this one. I needed somebody who could compliment my Tim, my choice for Tim. And I think I went in a little bit of a maybe unexpected direction, only because I don't necessarily see him doing characters like this. But I think he could compliment uh, who I picked for Tim. And for Al, I picked the actor Craig Robinson. Ah. Uh. Yeah, I don't know if he would do this stuff. But, I mean, he wasn't terribly different on The Office as Daryl. You know, he was kind of like, you know, a, a kind of a worker kind of guy who was funny at times. He wasn't as much of like the, I don't know, nerdy type. Right. He's not a, he's not a nerd by any means. But uh, I... I, I I approve of that choice. I okay. like Craig Robinson. Okay. All right. Who'd you go with? Uh, so I, w- I wanted to mix up my Al and turn her fee- turn him female. Okay. So I have an uh, Alexa or an Alexandra or an Alex or whatever. Right. Or just call her Al. And maybe it's probably, it's Al, it's Alexandra, but they call her Al. And I, and I like the idea, you know, of Al being female, being the real smart one on the show, mm-hmm. but also kind of being quick. Uh, I went with a kind of also kind of the similar, like large look, but definitely funny. This actress is also on SNL, similar enough with Kate McKinnon, and was side by side with her on the movie Ghostbusters, uh, Answer the Call. I went with Leslie Jones huh. as my Al. That'd be interesting. I like it, but I'd want to see it. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I want to see it. I, I don't think it's a bad call because I think she could be yeah. really funny. And that, to me, that seems like it's a little bit against her type, which I like. She is kind of goofy loud. Yeah. Um, which Al's not. But yeah, I'd like to see that. Yeah, yeah, true. True. Need to see I it. I like to see people succeed in things you don't expect them to do. In my head, I was also like, if we were going to do a Heidi, I was going to turn Heidi into like a, a good looking dude. You know, oh, okay. Just like an eye candy guy, <laughs> just just to kind of mix that up as well. Okay. But anyway, it doesn't matter. But again, just it's just it would have just been casting for looks, right? So yeah. maybe I would, yeah. Who knows? But yeah. So anyway, Leslie Jones. All right, uh, Tim, the two man Taylor. All right, uh, Adam, I'm gonna let you go first on this. For me, I really, really wanted to stick to a stand up comedian, and I liked the idea of a stand-up person kind of keeping that style, um, you know, that Tim Allen kind of created. Now, I don't, they don't need to be that same exact style of comedy that he had, but like, just at least, you know, make it your own. And so I thought of tons of different people and there was this one guy I almost went with and and, and Tim's the first person I chose. Mm -hmm. I chose Tim first and then I based everybody else off of that because I felt that was the most important. And I had a bit of a tough time, but I almost went with this uh, comedian named Kyle Kinane. He's pretty damn funny. Uh, and I, I liked his style. He's got a big kind of beard, and he's pretty much a bald head. And I thought, like, okay, you can kind of be a manly man. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's not, I don't think, a big enough name where I would want – I want somebody to kind of help build this up. And also, this actor that I did choose choose has hilarious 
stand-up. I absolutely think he's fucking funny as hell. I went with Hannibal Burris okay. as my Tim the Toolman Taylor. I, I think I think he's fantastic. He is kind of like a, you know, I, I could see him as a man's man, but his his funny his comedy is not really that style and that over the top machismo shit. Yeah. But, you know, he he I think he could do that and I think he could be funny and I like his I like his stand up and so that's the style I wanted to keep and so that's what I went with. Okay. That's an interesting call. Not at all someone I would have seen for this, but it could work. Could work. It could work. Yay, I'll take could work. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Who did you see? uh, I uh, went with uh, probably a little bit bigger name. Mm -hmm. I wanted somebody who was funny. I wanted somebody who could kind of carry that sort of machismo BS that Tim seems to have. And I kind of wanted somebody who could actually work with the tools you'd have to work with. I went with uh, Mr. Ron Swanson himself. I went with Nick Offerman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's it's definitely keeping in type. Um, I, I, he's not, yeah. he's not necessarily, you know, Tim Taylor, Ron Swanson, not at all really the same sort no. of, uh, attitude. No, definitely not. He'd have to be a little bit lighter. Cause Tim is all about like joking around and stuff like that. Yeah. I'd make, people would have to not see Ron Swanson when they saw him. They'd have to see yeah. Tim Taylor. So there'd have to be a little bit of a personality change, but definitely, I mean, Nick Offerman famously is a carpenter. Yeah, he is. And so, yeah, that would be uh, uh, an interesting choice. I, I would be curious if the audience could remove Ron Swanson from the equation because, yeah, Ron Swanson, when he says something, you shut up and listen because he knows what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> when Tim talks, he doesn't know shit. And, right. you know, it's just it's kind of a goof thing. So I yeah, would be would be curious to see how that would play out. I mean, I, I really like the Carpenter angle. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's cool. I initially actually thought about making him my Al. Maybe that make would make more sense. Oh yeah, he would. He fuck. He would make a good Al. I I just I really couldn't find. I really thought uh, yeah. I wanted him to be the lead in this. So yeah. I ended up. But yeah, if I could find somebody else as a really good Tim, I think Nick Offerman. I, Nick Offerman could probably do either one. He's a pretty versatile actor. Yeah, it would. It'd be interesting to see. Ron Swanson marrying Ann Perkins because that's what you have. Yeah, you have Rashida Jones. I, yeah, I have, so two Parks I have and Rec. Two Parks and Rec people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think people it'd be tough for people to separate them, especially if they're they're on screen together. That's true. I I first I was just gonna make it Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally, but then every character I see Megan Mullally play is like over the top goofy, and that is yeah, not Jill. True. And I it's like you know what no. she's just not a good fit for Jill. Yeah, that's that's I think that's I think it was a good call. Okay, uh, some pretty interesting choices and uh, overall pretty middle of the road. Nothing, nothing drastic, nothing uh, crazy, nothing too terribly surprising. But I think some good picks. Yeah, I'm okay with them. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I think uh, yeah, decent stuff. Agreed. Yeah. All right, that was our casting for Home Improvement. Thank you very much, Stephen Wilhelm. Ah! Ah! Please join us next time for a blues episode. John and I review the Stevie Ray Vaughan album, The Sky is Crying. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows from your childhood, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.